On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder respond to the challenge and get a big afternoon win against the Sacramento Kings. What stood out in that game? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and beat writer for InsideTheThunder.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder responding to a massive test against the Sacramento Kings, getting a much-needed afternoon win on Sunday. We're talking about tonight's magic game and what stood out against the Kings. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA and use the code all lowercase locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms, including YouTube, so you never miss an episode of Lockdown Thunder. Uh, and let's get into this show. So entering this game against the Sacramento Kings. The Thunder were 0-3 in afternoon games. Three of their four double-digit losses this season came in afternoon games. It's a back-to-back with travel involved. 0-2 against the Kings this season leading up to that point. An eight-game losing streak to the Kings leading up to that point. And having just been dismantled by the Dallas Mavericks less than 24 hours prior. So this was a big game, and we mentioned it at the end of the Mavericks podcast You know, this weekend. It was not a must-win game because the Kings are so good, you cannot call a game against the Kings must-win, but it was a must-compete game. You had to have you know, given a better showing, even though it's an afternoon game, even though it's a back-to-back. Not only did the Thunder give a better showing, but the Thunder were able to cruise to a victory, and they win 127-113, and for the majority of this game, you know, they had it under control. You know, there was a there was a back and forth stretch in the first quarter, but after that, the Thunder did a great job of handling every single Kings run. Eventually, the Thunder grew a 24 point lead. There was only five lead changes, only four ties. The Kings never led by more than four points. So the Thunder were able to really control this game, and what was impressive was seeing their energy and their effort level defensively do a complete 180 from where it was on Saturday to a complete 180 from where it's been in the in the afternoon. I mean, you look at the afternoon slate. The Denver home opener was horrific, right? It's just a beatdown. The afternoon game against Denver against uh, Detroit last week, horrible, horrible effort, uh, and they just were not ready to play. And then against Dallas, it's the same thing. They just were not ready to play. They just did not. Yes, Dallas made tough shots, but the Thunder also did not play their style of defense and, and, and give their usual energy in that game. And so there was just something about the afternoon and about um, you know, not being ready from the opening tip. And, and we asked you know, Mark and Shay and Chet uh, post-game about afternoon games and about their routines and their rhythms. And I, I was talking to Shay and Chet about it post-game, about, about kind of what goes into an afternoon game versus your normal routine. And Chet mentioned how you know, they just got to get used to in the afternoon. Like it, it, it does throw off your routine a little bit because there's 
you know, not as much time for you know your usual film work or usually pre- usual pregame work or especially shoot around. There's no shoot around in afternoon games. There's just no time for it. So even though that that, that changes, there's no excuse. You've still got to find a way uh, to be ready to play no matter when the game is. And I think that the Thunder really understood after Saturday's blowout loss to, to Dallas that they had to take hold of this um, trend and turn it around and and get it right. And they did. You know, And I think that what's good about this Thunder team is that despite being the second youngest roster in the NBA, that when you look at this roster, every challenge you put in front of them, every sort of you know task at hand, they're able to handle it and fix a problem. And that ties into the overarching theme of this season, which has been uncommon maturity and has been how, how um, advanced they are for their age in terms of handling adversity. But along with that is how quick they are as learners, how quick they are um, of, uh, you know, how quick they are of just like taking, you know, what needs to be fixed like an afternoon start and addressing it internally. And, and even Shay talked about how, you know, they were really going to stress getting out and being um, their typical selves in Sunday's game against Sacramento. He said that after the Dallas game, Chet Holmgren said for the Dallas game that they've got to do a better job of like um, creating defensive stops and getting turnovers and pushing the pace and playing in transition because that's when they're best offensively. And they did that against Sacramento. So everything that they lay out and say that they're going to do, they kind of follow through with each time. And whenever you present them with this is what needs to be done, they're able to achieve it to this point throughout the entire season. And it's just yet another feather in their cap of a really, really good game. You, you, you look at um, the Thunder, they were outboarded 40 to 36. That's not at all a big disparity, especially whenever you factor in that the Thunder forced 18 turnovers against Sacramento. 18. Fast break points was 14 to 12 in OKC's favor. Points in the paint was OKC plus 10 with 55 points, or 54 points, I should say. Second chance points, Sacramento only won 11 to 9. And the Thunder shot the ball incredibly well 54% from the floor, 48% from three, 81% at the charity stripe. Sacramento shot 49% from the floor, 38% from three, and just 68, uh, 69% from the free throw line. The Thunder were able to pass the ball very well and, and share the rock around and really adjust to each aspect of the Kings, both defensively and offensively. Look, you're going to absolutely uh, take whenever De'Aaron Fox shoots, uh, you know, six for 17. Whenever he's only going to turn in, you know, 35% shooting and he doesn't score until the end of the first half, like, that's really going to help your case in terms of winning. But Demonsa Simonis was incredible in this game with a, with a 14 assists and 11 rebounds. And you saw as the game progressed, the Thunder tried and, and, and achieved a little bit, you know, better and better. Uh, of taking away just his brute strength of just his ability to just lower the shoulder into you and get to a spot at the rim and then at times create that contact enough for a foul, even though he only had uh, three free throw attempts. So, you know, De'Aaron Fox, I mean, De'Aaron Fox was not good in this game, you know, by his standards and of course just had an off game in general, uh, but DeMontis Simonis was really good in 41 minutes and they still were able to counteract that with how good they were in turn offensively and limiting, you know, others away from you know those two stars. Really, Malik Monk was the one that came off the bench and lit it up. He had six triples in this game on 10 attempts. But outside of him and Sabonis, no one really got loose. Uh, Davion Mitchell had a stretch in this game where he just 
it was was shooting the light side of the gym, which is abnormal for him to go four for four from three. And that's going to happen in the in the NBA. You play 60, you know, 82 games and uh, you're going to be bound to have, you know, just these kind of offshoot performances. But besides that, that uncharacteristic night from Mitchell and despite, uh, you know, Malik Monk's great performance off the bench, the Thunder were able to squeeze the life out of the Kings. And it wasn't as though the Kings laid down despite the bad night from Fox. They kept making runs and they'd, they'd get it from, you know, 17 all the way down to 10, all the way down to eight, whatever. And the Thunder would eventually just swell that lead all the way back up and handled this game with a tone setting approach, in my opinion. I think that they that they took what had been talked about the, the day before of just, oh, they can't play in afternoon games. Oh, they're so bad in afternoon games. And they turned it on its head against Sacramento and gave them a much needed win. I mean, they were on the verge of losing three games for the first time all year. And now they have locked up the up the, the the ability to say that at the at the All Star break they have not lost three games in a row yet. That is wildly impressive. Losing streaks happen in the NBA. You you lose some games based upon what, what is called you know scheduled losses based upon you know losing travel, losing rest, losing all those things. So to factor those games in with games where you just don't have it that night, you don't have the this the the kind of shot making. You don't get comfortable at the on the at the gym, and sometimes the shots just go out. And then tough games and tough opponents. When you blend all that together, it's very impressive to reach the All Star break, and your longest losing streak is two, because there's only one more game to the, to the All Star break, and it's Orlando. So win or lose that game, at most it's going to be a one game losing streak, and you go into the All Star break having never lost uh, more than two in a row. I, I think that this Thunder team at each turn is able to stake their claim to they're one of the best in the NBA, and while they have needs and have weaknesses, so does every other team in the NBA. All 30 teams have things that they wish that they could do better. And if the only thing besides rebounding or whatever you want to call the weakness that is holding you back from this team is their age, I, I fall back on saying I don't think that the calendar goes April 1 and it's April Fool's Day and all of a sudden the Thunder have forgotten how to play basketball. And then they just won't be good in the postseason because they're so young. Now, it'll still be interesting. They've still got to uh, manage their first ever playoff series, and, and, and even down to the coach has to manage his first playoff series. But talent-wise, the Thunder are going to be able to be and compete with the best teams in the NBA. And a large part of that is the difference that J-Dub makes. And we'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to say right now, but good friends over at Prize Picks. Check out Prize Picks because it's daily fantasy sports made easy. What you'd have to do is that you have to... Um, Pick two to six players for your entry. And all you got to do is, 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 is kind of pick where they have more or less than their prize pick projections. So you're not competing against uh, the, these, these fantasy gurus who know everything there is to know about fantasy. It's just you versus the projected numbers. And you see whether they have more or less than their stat projections. And whatever happens, you, you win based upon that. And right now, it's demon time on prize picks. You can win it to 100 times your money uh, with as little as four correct picks, you can turn 10 bucks into $1,000 uh, with demons and goblins. It's the newest and most exciting way to play prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. So make sure you check it out today because you can now win up to 100 times your money uh, with as little as four correct picks. So go check it out today. What I also love about prize picks is they're the only place that has that injury assurance policy. Because we know that in basketball, you know, you're looking at um, the kind of injury report, and there's going to be big names that you want to that you want to put an entry in on, 
uh, as questionable and, and you don't really know what to do. With prize picks, they give you the, the the injury insurance policy, the reboot policy, or if something goes haywire there. Uh, and you can also take advantage today of the Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discount select players project to projections up to 25% to give you even more value. So go check it out today on Tuesday as the Thunder take on the magic. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA or use code locked in NBA for the first deposit match up to $100. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. I want to talk J-Dub in this game. 32 points from him, eight rebounds, uh, seven of them came defensively. And then you had nine assists from J-Dub, only two turnovers and a plus 26. He shot two for four from three, uh, 65% from the floor on 20 attempts in 36 minutes. Jalen Williams is an absolute difference maker for this Thunder team. When he scores 20-plus points, the Thunder are 30 are, are 13 and 8. When he scores 20 plus points, they're 13 and eight. When he scores 10 points or fewer, the Thunder are one and three. You, you can really see how the game changes whenever he uh, you know, doesn't have a good scoring night because you know, that puts a lot of the, the slack on everybody else. And he's one of the best scores. I would say the second best scorer on this Thunder team. And whenever he has a game where he's like 25 plus, the Thunder are just incredible as well. And then 30, you know, 32 points right here. Uh, you're not going to, you're not going to say no to that. And, you know, it's because of how routinely Shea can get to 30 points that if you if you add in an additional 20, 22, 25, 30 points from Jalen Williams, that alleviates a lot of the pressure from the other players who have the ability to score. Like Lou Dort can get hot from three. Chet Holmgren, you know what he can do as both a shooter and uh, a driver off the catch. Jason Wallace, Isaiah Joe, like these guys can get hot from three. Aaron Wiggins, these guys can get hot from three that – Whenever those two guys are on, and you're just going to factor in that Shea's going to be on 99.999% of the time, whenever Jalen Williams is on, it makes everyone's life easier and everyone's life um, a lot better. And, and, and it's a second-year player who you're going to put a lot of pressure on uh, in the postseason to be like a guy. But I think that if there is ever a second-year player who is up to this challenge, and I know that there's only been a few who've been able to do this in their second year, it's Jalen Williams. Uh, you know, He's 22 years old. He just has that that it factor of understanding the moment and being in control of the moment. And for a player who we always talk about feeding off of and giving energy to feed off of, I think that it's a little bit of a of a pour into the cup you pour out of situation where he's such a good emotional leader and energy giver that I think you put him in a playoff series. And the emotions are automatically higher, and the buzz and the energy from the crowd is automatically higher. The 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 communication on the court and how intense each possession is and how in, intense each game is is already higher. When you do those things to elevate that emotional, energetic, passionate side of JW's game, which pays dividends for the Thunder, I think that that can also take him up another year. That he can be one of those players who um, play even better in the postseason, which is scary for you know the, the aspect of he's already really good like he's already averaging uh, some some fantastic you know um, aspects of this season uh, for, for himself that if he can take his game to another level in the postseason it makes things even easier or or better or more exciting for the Thunder but his versatility 
has been on for, full display this season, uh, playing you know a guard position, playing forward, uh, just because of as an offensive swingman. And then defensively, he's taken a step defensively as well. He always had the frame to be a really good defender. Last year, he showed flashes of being a really good defender. This year, he is a really good defender, helping the Thunder on both ends. Like without Jalen Williams, you're not top five offense, top top five defense. He contributes massively to each side of the basketball. Uh, I think that the Thunder really, of course, have hit a diamond in the rough or or struck gold or whatever you want to call it, extracting that value out of the 12th pick in Jalen Williams. But more importantly, for this specific team, even though he's only a second-year guy, I feel extremely confident about what he can do and how replicatable this all is in the playoffs because he's doing a lot of his damage. Um, yes, in transition, he's getting a lot of opportunities uh, to finish off plays, but in the half court, like he's creating his own shot. He's hitting tough shots over defenders and he's efficient at all three levels and able to score at all three levels that when the game slows down, when the game is one V one in the playoffs and it's just a half court offense style of game. I trust that Jalen Williams can go get a shot. and can go make tough shots. I trust that she can do the same thing. And so when they're on the court together and as you shrink your rotation in the postseason, as you play less guys in the postseason where they're going to be on the court even more, it's just the nature of playoff basketball, right? Like you want your stars out there as much as possible. It really puts defenses in a bind because you're going to want to load up on both those guys, but you just can't do it. Like you cannot do it routinely. I'll be interested to see how defenses react to that because they're they're going to have to load up on Shea. You're going to have to send doubles and traps to Shea. But if J-Dub's what's waiting for you with the advantage, even that's not a great strategy because of how improved that Shea's playmaking is. So, uh, this was just a fantastic display of what the Thunder uh, could look like, um, just kind of hitting on all cylinders, so to say. And whenever you look at SGA, if he finishes with 38 points, uh, three rebounds, seven assists, a steal, and two blocks. But you look at that third quarter, and my goodness, he was able to just get whatever he wanted, a 10-point third quarter with four assists and a rebound and two blocks, uh, You know, shooting four for nine. He got to the free throw line three times. You know, the only thing that you can say about SGA that you that you wish would improve would be um, he's taking a step back in his free throw percentages. It's down to 88 compared to 90, but even 88 is still really good. You just rather him, you know, hit that 90 mark as he did last year. But SGA has has not only maintained where he was at a year ago, which got him fifth in MVP voting, got him first team All NBA, got his first All Star appearance, but he's improved in every aspect. He's improved as a scorer. He's improved as a passer. He's improved as a handler. He's improved as a defender. He has just made significant strides, which I think is worth pointing out because, you know, last year, whenever he made those strides defensively, when he made those strides offensively, you know, there was questions of if he was tapped out, if this is the best it gets for SGA. And could he repeat those things? He's not only repeated it, but he's gotten better. And each season, year over year, he's gotten better and better. I'm just... I'm done putting a cap on what SGA can do, of what SGA can be, and just kind of kind of go watch it unfold. But it's super, you know, exciting to see how he's able to just manipulate defenses and just get to his spots and and, and get whatever he wants on the offensive end. Plus, be locked in defensively and be someone who contributes at such a high level of stopping some of the best players in the NBA. And he's, you know, the best two-way star in the NBA. Point blank, period. He's the best two-way star in the NBA. So we've talked to you about Difference Maker. We've talked SGA. Let's talk about Chet Holmgren and his playmaking ability and also what stood out about the rest of this game all coming up. But first, 
want to tell you right now, but good friends over at BetterHelp. Check them out today at BetterHelp.com. And I think that with BetterHelp, you're going to be able to find um, what you need because you know, BetterHelp is therapy that's all online. And so, you know, sometimes we all need the opportunity to get stuff off of our chest, whether it's big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you or pile up. It's important to let that all out, especially uh, to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today, uh, you know, make sure you go and check out BetterHelp because they can help you alleviate some of that, um, you know, pressures and some some of that uh, feeling and, and, and an opportunity to just really share what's happening with someone who's unbiased and can give you licensed therapy help and measured advice and measured um, responses to whatever uh, you prompt them with. And so I think that BetterHelp is great. And I think that the benefit to it would be, you know, you're probably listening to this podcast on the go right now. Your your life's probably go, go, go between family, responsibilities, work, whatever. And and a thing holding you back from therapy might be, um, you know, just not being able to carve out the time to go to a true brick and mortar, you know, therapist office. With BetterHelp, it's entirely online. It's entirely flexible and suited around your schedule. You go, you fill out this questionnaire, and they match you with a licensed therapist. And if you don't like that initial match, you can just redo it for free of charge until you find the therapist that's right for you. So you find that great therapist, and then it's all around your schedule. It's all around the times that you can get on there, and it's entirely online. It's designed for that flexibility. So go to betterhelp.com slash LockedInMBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked in NBA that 10% off of your first month. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. What a game it was against Sacramento on um, Sunday and Chet Holmgren, 14 points. Four rebounds, two assists, two steals, four blocks all in the first quarter for Chet Holmgren in 30 minutes. He shot 55% from the floor. You know, I, I think that Chet Holmgren, obviously, the shot blocking was great. Um, and, and you know, this 14 points was awesome. What he can really do is be a connector for the Thunder on the perimeter whenever the, the opposition trap Shea and double Shea because he can cash in threes in that aspect if you swing it to him and he's wide open. If you swing it to him and he's one of the guys that's covered, he can take him off the off the catch and take him off the dribble to the rim, uh, which he's done so well this year. But he has the playmaking chops that if you just use him to connect you to a backdoor cutter, he's able to facilitate that, as you saw with J-Dub. Uh, Shea and Chet had a sequence like that in this game. So using him as your uh, safety valve after Shea gets trapped around the timeline or at the top of the key uh, or somewhere out there, out there on the perimeter – Tossing the ball over to him and letting him, you know, initiate the next action, I think can really help this Thunder team as a whole continue to hone in on that. I think that Chet Holmgren still is going to continue to climb and get better uh, as a basketball player throughout this rookie season, and he's by no means tapped out. And you're seeing all these individual ways in which um, that the Thunder can utilize him and and can help him maximize his skill set and. From the first 50-something games, the writing is on the wall for him to be a special, special talent. This was a really good shooting game from Lou Dort, three for five from three, um, and he was able to be very poised in this game. You know, There were multiple plays where one of them, he had this like fast break, breakaway to the rim opportunity where he got the ball and 
previously Ludor would have just rushed that shot up and wouldn't have recognized the backside help and just it would have been a bad decision at the rim. He kicks it out instead. The ball works around and the Thunder get a better shot out of it because he was just patient. Uh, he had an opportunity where he got a flyby at the three-point line, dribbled in and shot a mid-range baseline jumper, which again was just another good decision by him to be under control uh, to take advantage of an overzealous defender um, that typically had not shown to this point until this season. This season, for, for even the cold streak he's been on of late, uh, he has made strides so incredibly at overhauling his efficiency and efficiency not just in the numbers, but in the decision-making of when to shoot, when not to shoot, how to pass and how to get out of um, bad opportunities and bad looks. I mean, he's made uh, a career high and good rim decisions passing the basketball. Uh, that's that's for sure. So, so Lou Dort has made those improvements. And then, of course, you know what he can do defensively and what he's done defensively all around. Uh, Josh Giddy in this game, two for six, one for three from three. Uh, you know, I don't think that the, the, the box score is going to um, kind of show how much better it looked for Josh Giddy, and neither are the highlights, or if you want to call them lowlights, because you know the the three that goes off the side of the backboard, that's loud. That's a loud possession where it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. And it's even more loud for players who are struggling to shoot you know the basketball this year. That happens in the basketball. You're going to have shots off the side of the backboard. You're going to have bad misses. You could chop up a, a, you know, a billion highlights of a billion great Hall of Famers who had shots off the side of the backboard. So you know, forgetting the make or miss aspect of it, because of course he has to score the ball more efficiently. He has to make more shots. That's an obvious matter of fact statement. Forgetting about that and just looking at how he was utilized in this game, especially the one-to-one comparison to how he was utilized against Dallas, where I said it was unfair to put him in the corner and just have him sit there because that's never going to be what he can thrive at. And it's unfair to him to kind of put him in that situation. The Thunder used him more as a screener. They used him more as a cutter behind the action. They used him more as a as an, as a kind of initiator uh, on the ball, but they also used him more cutting clear across the court um, at times, which as he cuts, you know, obviously you're going to initially give him your attention as he's clearing through the mid-range, clearing through the paint and getting to that opposite corner. And that's going to take attention away from where he just left on the strong side as he goes to the weak side, which generates open opportunities for his teammates in that way. But using him as a screener and a cutter and, and doing more than just having him sit there in the corner really helped the offense flow, not just you know for some, some quality looks that he might have missed, but also for some uh, looks for his teammates to help his teammates you know, look better and um, get them more involved. But the rebounding, five rebounds, four assists, you know, all that stuff. I think that the box score will not show how much better it was for Josh Skiddy. And it was only a 20-minute sample size. And I think that, you know, that's going to be life for Josh Skiddy probably for the rest of this season will be that, like, his box score might not do him justice. And and there's going to be just chances where I don't think that Josh Skiddy played abhorrent in this game. I think that, you know, he had the he had the lazy foul of um, Sabonis where you just kind of want to let that go instead of giving him an and one. Um, in, in that sense, he had the clank off the backboard three, which isn't going to be, you know, looked upon fondly, but he only plays 20 minutes. And he, and this was even without Gordon Hayward in the lineup. You know, of course, he's not going to join the team until after the all-star break, um, but he only played 20 minutes still. The minute reduction, I think, is going to be a thing that, that happens for the majority of games. But in this game specifically, I think it said more about um, the Thunder's hot hands than it did about Josh Giddy himself. I think that Josh Giddy did improve upon his Saturday performance. Now you can you can push back on that and say obviously there was only the only way to go was up from from Saturday. 
But to me, it wasn't just about him. It was about his utilization. And I want to see the Thunder pull more and more out of him as a cutter and him as a um, kind of a screener as well, which we've been, I've been asking Mark about that. Me specifically, I've been asking Mark about that all the way back to that Houston game against the Rockets where you're using him more as a screener um, whenever he had a really bad game against Houston and they kind of used that center model for one of the first times this season. Uh, and, and the Thunder have now, you know, did it a little bit more on Sunday, especially just as a rover off ball offensively. So Josh Giddey, I think, did play better despite the box score is not going to get him any accolades or praise and, and the, and the low lights are going to get him very much criticized. Um, I think that, I think that there's a, there's a pathway there to improve upon Isaiah Joe. He only shot one time this game, but my goodness, did he change the dynamic on the floor of um, his ability to just be a shooting threat where you're going to have a guy tethered to him and it's going to allow you to play you know in, in more space uh, on the on the offensive end, so he was awesome in that capacity. Kimmich Williams had a nice game, um, but overall, I think that it goes back to the three-headed monster of SGA, Jadam, and Chet. And that's the bottom line. We can overanalyze. We can talk about every aspect of this team. We can harp on every possession. We can harp on every missed shot. The bottom line is this team will be as good as those three guys are. And it's 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 hard to put it all on. To, uh, you know, two second year guys, one who's a rookie and Shea, but that's life in the NBA. It's a star driven league. However good those guys perform each night, however good those guys perform in the postseason, will be what this team is dictated on. And that's the case for every NBA roster. Look at Boston, who I think is the best team in the NBA. If if Tatum and Brown don't show up, it doesn't matter. None of, none of the rest of it matters. If they show up, they're going to go and they're going to have a long, a long successful postseason. So, you know, that's just the life in the NBA. And I think that the, the Kings game was a representative fact of that. But this game against Orlando, I read about this today for Styles Points on InsideTheThunder.com. Just have fun today against the Magic, huh? I mean, I get it. You know, we, we want to live and die with each and every sort of possession and, and, and live and die with results and how it in, impacts the standings and what this looks like. The bottom line is, win or lose in this game tonight, the Thunder have had an unbelievably successful season. The Thunder have been unbelievably better than what you could have ever put upon them to, to, to expect them to do. And this has been a ridiculously fun season. So with the Orlando Magic fully healthy and all of their rising stars are playing, with the Thunder fully healthy outside of outside of Biombo and, and Hayward and, and G-Leaguers, with, with those two things colliding today in Orlando on national television, just enjoy it. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a game that is worth the entertainment value of, of, of committing your time to it to watch the whole thing. Just sit back and have fun. And I think that that's the most important part because we can we can get into the weeds of, of what each loss means and and what's the big picture and what's next and what's the next transaction. How do they improve this team? How good is this team? What does this emoji mean that LeBron tweeted out? We can get into all of that and, and lose sight of just how fun sports are supposed to be, just how fun watching basketball is supposed to be. So watch basketball tonight. Watch basketball tonight. And then we can react to it tomorrow. And we will do that on Lockdown Thunder. Subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast from, including on YouTube. We're also going to have a couple of special pods for you um, to end the week leading into All-Star Weekend. I'll be in Indiana for All-Star Weekend, so we'll have more content from that as well. Uh, but until tomorrow, be good and be good to one 